I'll make it brief, Mr. Bedeker. You look like a man with a nose for a bargain, so I'd like to make you a proposition. We each have something the other wants, and that seems a relatively solid basis for a bargain. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome back to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the last uh, episode that we did talking about uh, walking distance. Um, if you happen to go back in time, hopefully you didn't mess things up too bad. And then you came back to the present to listen to this episode. Yeah. Uh, much lighter episode this week. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> uh, we are going to dive into the escape clause. Um, this is... Probably, I'm just going to say it right at the beginning, this has been my, my favorite one that we've covered so far, so I think oh, this wow. is going to be a fun one to talk about. So, um, yeah, we should just get, get right in it. So, um, air date, November 6, 1959. Um, <laughs> as always, uh, number one film is uh, Pillow Talk, and number one song is Mac the Knife, and those, those will never change for years. Yeah, it it, uh, it wouldn't be an episode of Strange Highways without those two things. <laughs> yes, I feel like so when I was when I was putting together notes for this episode, I actually was like, you know what? I haven't heard Mac the Knife in a while. Like not so I put it on and listened to it. I'm like, this is catchy. I don't know if it's like a month and a half's worth of catchy, but you know, diff- different tastes, I guess. We need to use that as an outro. Uh, the final <laughs> week of it being the number one song, just to signal the end of the era. <laughs> yes, that, that'd be funny. Just be like, all right, our you know, bon voyage, Mac the Knife. Um, we'll see you later when you become part of a McDonald's ad campaign. Um, so, um, bit of, bit of interesting trivia. I know, like, uh, I think you looked this up as well. This ties into the episode later, but, uh, what, what was the wonderful thing that we found out about November 6th, 1959? Um, a man by the name of Bernard Lone, uh, started research on the first direct current heart defibrillator. So there you go. That's going to tie into later. It's just yeah. interesting. It was really that's really specific, and it's kind of interesting. This happened to tie into to this episode. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if he like introduced it that day, but I I, I think I did some research on it. I went down a rabbit hole of heart defibrillator <laughs> research, um, and it looks like he just started research on it. So it wasn't actually invented this day, but. Um, so did yeah. he, was he like in yeah. his bathroom and fell and hit the, his, the sink with his head and then woke up and was like, I have an idea for the heart defibrillator. And that was November 6th, 1959. <laughs> he was like, hey, Doc Brown, I got a plan. He's like, no, no, that's stupid. You know, um, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, that that does tie into this. Makes you also wonder if he watched this episode and was like, you know, I could probably save that guy. And yeah, I came up with the inspiration. So uh, let's just we'll get right into uh, casting crew here. Um, written by Rod Serling yet again. That's not going to change for quite a while. Yep. And uh, directed by Mitchell Lysen, uh, 
second time already on the show. He also directed 16mm Shrine from two weeks ago. Yeah, and I feel like... Uh, he I, he he's probably like a fun guy to work with because I mean this the the lead in this and also the lead in sixteen millimeter shrine they had a lot of scenery to chew with their acting so I'm sure that was a a fun set to be on with the, like yeah. letting them just kind of do their thing and going through his filmography this episode seems more up his alley than the last one because um, yeah, it looked like he did a lot of like comedies like screwball comedies yeah, and stuff so and there's some very like live action cartoony stuff that went on in here that I loved. Um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right. So let's just we'll just get straight to the cast here. We had uh, David Wayne as uh, Walter Bedecker, and not from Stella. Yeah, not that's <laughs> I. I made that joke at the end. I was like, not the David Wayne you know. And my girlfriend's like, what do you mean? I'm like, never mind. You know, like I, <laughs> like I know she knows what he looks like, but it's just like I didn't have the time to be like that guy, not that guy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like uh, David Wayne. He also I, I found out later he was in uh, the Andromeda Strain. Uh, the Michael Crichton movie that's uh, really good. He was a doctor in that. So that's, uh-huh. that's a cool sci-fi connection. Yeah, and I saw he was in the uh, original Batman series. He played Mad Hatter. Yes, I looked up some of that stuff. Like, he was just a so guy that goofy. liked hats and not like the Alice in Wonderland Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. It was all like hat-themed crimes. It was really bizarre. Yeah, it's a pretty goofy character, <laughs> but he was perfect for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, this was his only Twilight Zone episode. I always like to look at that and uh he was in a bunch of marilyn monroe films as well okay yeah that's uh that that makes sense also with the kind of the screwball comedy type of thing too yeah I know for that's, sure that's kind of like what she was in the middle of uh, there for a bit uh we had uh thomas gomez as uh, uh is it catawalder is that because there's a couple of different times it's pronounced in the episode and i'm i think it's catawalder is yeah that cadwalder cadwalder Cadwal- cadwalder <laughs> i can't even say it cadwalder <laughs> Cad- cadbury Cad, 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 no, uh, Radbury, no, um, Cat, Cat of Walter. Uh, anyway, the, the devil. He was the yeah, devil. Let's just, we'll just call him the devil. Um, um I, d- I did some research on that name just because I was like, where, where have I heard that name before? I guess there's a character in Harry Potter named that. Oh, okay. And I, uh, in British history, there's a Welsh king that vowed he was going to kill all the Saxons when they came to England. <laughs> That's well, that's, you know, hopefully I don't know if he delivered his promise. That's a pretty big promise, though. Yeah, Um, I just I was so confused why he picked that name. I was like, but I couldn't find any uh, anything saying why Sterling gave him that name in this. There's no connection otherwise to the devil or anything. Yeah, because I mean, like in like in uh, one for the angels, you had a guy straight up called Mr. Death. And then and was it uh, Doomsday? uh, Mr. Denton on Doomsday, you had James Fate. You know, it's like, so now you're getting colorful. Like, it just seems a little like not that I need to have his name as like, you know, uh, Mr. Lucifer or whatever. But uh, it was just it was weird because I thought that that would be a name that would tie into something. But I mean, it's a fun name, but it's yeah, I didn't see any correlation with it. It kind of rolls off the tongue as he puts it. If you could say it right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It doesn't roll off my tongue at all. Um, Yeah. Again, this uh, he was in one other Twilight Zone episode. Tons of Westerns. he had that kind of Mexican look to him. I mean, Thomas Gomez, I guess. <laughs> um, he was the first Hispanic American to be nominated for an Oscar, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and then, and uh, yeah, another fun nerdy one was he was in Beneath the Planet of the Apes. That's that's what I was going to say, too. So there, that's a, and I mean, that's another Rod Serling connection. I mean, I know he didn't write uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, but Serling wrote the first one. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then I some of these guys I kind of skipped because a lot of it wasn't there wasn't a lot there. Um, I do have uh, for Ethel Bedecker, who was Virginia Christine. 
Uh, the one thing I got from her is that she was the Folgers coffee lady for like 21 years. Oh, wow. Uh, so she was the face of Folgers coffee. Nice. Yeah, and that that was her only Twilight Zone episode as well. So I, I didn't write down anyone else that was in this. Oh, I figured those those three were pretty much it. And then um, Steve, who was the um, the second insurance guy, the one that was walking in uh, in the yeah. white suit, his name is Joe Flynn. He, uh, well, first was born in Youngstown, Ohio, so there you go, Ohio Connection. Um, he was a regular on William Bendix's Life of Riley radio show. And if you remember Mr. William Bendix, he was the, the main guy in um, Time Element. Yeah. Um, and also he played, uh, Joe Flynn played Captain Wallace, uh, Wally Burton, Binghamton, and Mikhail's Navy. So he was most known for Mikhail's Navy. Huh. So there you go. He looked familiar to me. That's why I did a little bit of research, because it's something about those glasses. Like, he looked like a guy that... Uh, I don't know. It looked like he was in there for like one joke and out. So, but it's, he actually had a pretty good uh, comedy career. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's it. So I don't have anything else about the rest of the cast and crew. Um, um, the only other thing, uh, the music in this was Jerry Goldsmith, actually. Really? Yeah. It was just stock music that he made, but it was Jerry Goldsmith, which I, I thought was interesting. I, you know, I, I watched the credits and I didn't pick up on any of that. I, I've, that's that's completely. You know, I feel like I failed at my uh, being a nerd, not seeing Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, he's, done, he's done everything, you know, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, and still is doing stuff. That's crazy. Um, all right. So, yeah, that's that's our cast and crew. Um, I guess we'll just dive right into the Surly intro. Uh, this one's a little long um, and the ending of it is a little a little weird. So just uh, just bear with us here and we'll, we'll get the episode started in, in uh, full. You're about to meet. A hypochondriac. Witness Mr. Walter Bedecker, age 44. Afraid of the following. Death, disease, other people, germs, draft, and everything else. He has one interest in life, and that's Walter Bedecker. One preoccupation, the life and well-being of Walter Bedecker. One abiding concern about society. That if Walter Bedecker should die, how will it survive without him? very much uh like a sitcom with the uh, the wooden little hammer noise and everything at the end there that was a uh, very very weird yeah the music's pretty goofy in this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah to put it mildly i enjoyed it but it was very very lighthearted compared to you know like the, the, the concept's kind of dark but yeah the whole tone was very light so well i i, I think to have people connect with the subject matter they kind of had to add a little bit of comedy in there yeah absolutely so we meet um we meet Mr. Uh, Bedeker, which... And what yeah. a bundle of joy he is. <laughs> I wrote in my notes here, I wrote Bedeker equals Bedacre, question mark, because all he did was sit in his bed and, and just bitch about everything. So I was like, I wondered if his name was a play on words, like he just was sat in bed and ache all day long. So This guy might be the biggest jerk we've encountered yet in Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, like he's just like sitting in his bed, like complaining about everything. Like the doctor shows up, and is like, you're fine. And he's like, well, why don't like basically he's accusing him of like 10 years worth of knowledge in medical school just to tell me I'm OK. It's like, well, he is a doctor, you know? Yeah, I think he calls him a quack and an idiot within like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And I got the vibe from the doctor that this was like a weekly visit, you know, kind of like I'll see you next time type of thing, you know? And uh, and then the long suffering wife who. I I liked her from the start because she already had that like that like always close to rolling her eyes look on her face as she's trying to yeah, help her husband. Just kind of not putting up with his bullshit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um so he's very much worried about 
He thinks he's dying. He just thinks everything's out to get him. He thinks that like he's sitting in bed just wasting away. I didn't actually look up how old he was when this was being filmed. He looks like he was relatively young. Uh, but for some reason, he just, as the character himself thought that he wasn't long for the world and was like bemoaning how short a life uh, people have. And uh, just the freaking out like um, of everything. Like, you know, he was very much like a, like Howard Hughes minus like the tissue paper boxes on his feet. You know, he had like the bed with all the blankets. He had all the pills um, and a long suffering wife. Yeah. Um, I love he goes into the whole uh whole speech where he gives why does a man have to die why can't we live longer and everything and uh i love how his wife just kind of like lip (laughs) lips along with what he's saying at a certain point did you catch that i have i have the bit when he's like um telling her about germs and i thought that was funny freezing air blasting into the room you know how many germs there are in a cubic foot of air that's what eight million nine hundred (laughs) thousand And then she's closing the window and it's just like she was trying to do right by him. Like, like you never get the vibe. Like, I mean, he is insistent that she, he want she wants him to die. So like she gets his money, which is never really implied how he's able to stay in bed, you know, and considering what he does later for money, I, I just, it didn't seem like he was that important of like a business guy or something, but he's just adamant that she wants him out of this world. So he, you know, so she can have everything. And I don't know what that was, but she just, she loves him. But she's just annoyed by him, and I I can I can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, yeah, so he ends up kicking her out of the room um, after insulting her multiple times, and uh, he's asking still, why do men have to die? Why do we have to live such short lives? Why can't we live a uh, hundred years? Why can't we live two hundred years? And uh, that's when a voice comes in says, why not five hundred, six hundred years? And he just keeps talking. He's like, yeah, that's right, voice. Yeah, it takes him a long time to realize that somebody's in the room talking to him. And I, I enjoyed that when he looked over and saw uh, Mr. Um, uh, Catawalder, Waller, um, you know, when he sees Mr. Devilman, uh, his first instinct is to go over and test the window, like as if he got in through the window. And it was just in the back of my mind. I'm like, he just talked about all these germs coming in. Does he think that this guy's like all like just one germ that got <laughs> he's in? He's a giant like, germ. Yeah, like. <laughs> So it was, so it was weird. So this guy, so Mr. Uh, Mr. Catawaller, uh, which by the way, this is why I love this episode is that his delivery of like every single line that he had was amazing. Oh, it was yeah. so much fun. So I have, I have his bit here about his name. Like I wanted to cap everything that he talked about just because he was amazing, <laughs> but I, I have this to start. Who are you? Cadwallader is my name. At least it's the name I'm using this month. Has a nice feeling on the tongue. Cadwallader. Cadwallader. That's, I don't know. Yeah. Like a, it I, doesn't have a nice feeling on the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite uncomfortable and it trips out often. Cadwallader. There we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got it. Who knows? Um, but yeah, he's just there to basically like, hey, you know what? You're right. You know, you, uh, you should, li- you should live longer. Like, why not? You know? And whenever people just show up in your bedroom and like start agreeing with you, that would usually be a red flag to me. You know, I'd be like, wait a second. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's something going on with this guy. Yeah. So long story short, he makes him a proposition. Um, and this is the basis for the episode. Um, he's going to grant Walter a longer life, basically immortality um, for Walter's soul. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, I just, and he tells him that he's the devil right yeah, out. Pretty much. And straight up. There's no argument from Walter. 
No, he's just like, okay, well, that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm a man of business, but I, I like, uh, I like uh, Cadwallader's description of a soul, and I also got that too. I got to play that because it's awesome. And yeah. what do I have that could remotely interest you? Actually, a minor item. In fact, something less than minor, insignificant, infinitesimal, microscopic, teensy weensy. Teensy weensy. <laughs> a little Anthony Hopkins there, it felt like, towards the end. Yeah. I like that. Um, so, yeah, basically, he's like, give me your soul. I'll give you immortality. I'll make you indestructible. And uh, and the whole thing is, like, uh, if, like, this is the deal. I'll get your soul. And and for your benefit, Mr. Mr. Walter uh, Bedeker, I'll give you the escape clause that, you know, all you have to do is call upon me, and I'll make sure your departure is painless. And that's that. And that's what the it- deal is. And I love how uh, Walter seems kind of aware of the whole monkey's paw situation with making a deal with the devil or making a wish or something. Because um, the whole time he's trying to figure out the lo- uh, like, what's the trick? Like, am I going to age? I think he says, am I going to shrivel up into a raisin or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I love that he's kind of aware of that and he's trying to make a deal with the devil. and He's trying to go through it and make it his way. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, um, he's trying like trying to sweeten the deal to make sure that there was no like aha gotcha moment there. Yeah, and, and uh, Thomas Gomez, his performance where he's like, "Oh, you drive a hard bargain." I just love how he's kind of got that wink at the camera. That's just like he thinks he's got the best of me, but we all know. <laughs> it's like yeah, I'll let him add whatever he wants. You know, like basically, yeah. it's just like and and, and like um, and I guess this speaks to the episode itself is like the devil really didn't do any like i mean did he really do anything other than give like he he upheld his end of the deal yeah you know like and i think that's one of the like that's i guess the whole thing is like he really was like yeah he's like i hope you do live forever you know like and that'll be a really long time from now you know and he just kept like like reassuring him like you know everything's great and i love that like suddenly you saw like the little devil lapel pin that he had on his jacket that was that you saw that um, and then I the, love all the stuff when he's signing the contract with him and uh, he pulls the stamp out and it's like the smoking stamp. <laughs> yes. It's, it's so amazing. And then he stamps the documents and throws them on the floor and they're smoking with the with the, the trident, like the, the pitchfork symbol on it. I thought that was yeah. awesome. Um, so, yeah. So that gets to like, you know, basically uh, Mr. Bedeker is now feels so well that he's going to throw his like, pills out the window. And be like, I'm done with these, and then I'm going to jam my hands on the radiator to test test out my indestructibility. Yeah, um, I love that scene too. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just all the smoke coming out of his hands and everything. Um, but yeah, the, I, I I really enjoyed that scene. It was so goofy. So then we go from like from that immediately, and I know uh, not to go like I guess we're going to go point for point because this just 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 to tell people how sharp an act break is. Like he realizes that he is invincible. Next thing you see, very next scene is him going up to a subway train and jumping, like just launching himself onto the tracks just to watch like people freak out. And then he gets up and like the conductor or one of the, the subway operators comes over to him. He's just like, give me your claims adjuster. I'm like, really? That was your plan the entire time was just to like nickel and dime insurance companies with this. That's a really small game to play. Yeah. And then we find out he's got a whole lineup of insurance claim adjusters coming into his apartment or house, whatever. And, uh, he's getting checks from each one of them. And he's been in apparently 14 different accidents. Yeah. And I uh, love that he's still wearing his ripped up uh, suit. Yeah. Like, that was, he just like, keeps wearing that same suit through every accident and just kept it on. 
Yeah, like I thought that was funny. Like the people are coming in, he's signing the checks, and he's just wearing this tattered remains of a suit, and it's like as if it's no thing for him. Um, but I, I did some quick, uh, quick research here. Um, so the subway, when it struck him, they offered him a settlement check for a thousand dollars, and then the bus that hit him was for fifteen hundred. So in today's money, for if you factor in inflation, uh, the subway was uh, around eighty two hundred dollars, and the bus is around uh, uh, twelve thousand three hundred dollars, like settlement. That still seems kind of small for being hit by vehicles, you know. Even yeah. Like, um, but well, like like the subway uh, uh, insurance adjuster adjuster said he's like, uh, "You're lucky you're getting this much. You barely have a scratch on you." Yeah. So I, I guess that's why he got so little. And just for a uh, point of reference, a 1960 Chevy Impala cost brand new at the time uh, two thousand five hundred ninety dollars. So uh, you know he was making he was doing good for himself, but it seems like that's a really small small way to view, you know, immortality. So like my question for you is if you were granted immortality at the cost of your teensy weensy soul, like what would you do with like all this extra, as Cadwalder put it, um, some additional free time? Like what would you do with that time? Man, that's a, that's a rough question. Well, would you go I, throwing yourself in front of buses and, uh, and subway trains? I mean, for insurance purposes. Not. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. It's a rough question. Immortality is such a a double-edged uh, sword because you think about it and then it immediately goes to depression because you realize that everyone <laughs> you know is going to die. So I've, I've never been one to really kind of think well, of uh, immortality as a good thing. Way to, way to go dark there and sad. I was, I was looking at more of the fun stuff like like every movie that you want to watch. You, you now have time. You, you have time to do everything you want to do, which uh, I guess that ties into what's going to happen a couple episodes from now, you know uh yeah like time enough at last but it's like i don't know like even if even if everyone you know will go away eventually i mean i would just assume that you'd probably meet more great people along the way right i mean that's the whole whole highlander curse right like yeah. i mean you not that you know not that you want to see your loved ones like fade away every 70 years but i mean you still meet cool people I mean, yeah i don't know i don't know if i'd want to even live forever though like and do i have to keep working like i have to keep surviving it's not like i can just quit work because i'm immortal well i mean that's one if, if you're immortal then you then that's when you go for the long-term savings plan that i as an adult have not done yet um you just that's you, true you, you can save uh a dollar every day and in <laughs> yeah right um so that's whenever you like you know you just plant some strong roots into something that you know is going to pay off in like you know 100 years because you got time, and if you're indestructible, you can just wander from place to place. As long as you don't go screwing up like he did, you know, and stay off the radar. I don't see how. Like I, I'm sure maybe not forever, but like having a really long life. I don't like. I think he he went about it in a really weird way. You know, and yeah. That's like that was my whole point. Is like your first your first thought is to go and just jump in front of things and get money from insurance companies. That's that's a really weird desire. Well, a big thing I pulled out of this episode is kind of mortality is the reason we're able to enjoy and kind of value our lives. So I I don't know if this is this isn't really pushing immortality in a good way. And I think any time I've seen the story of immortality, it's been in depressing vampire movies or anything like that. So um, I kind of look at mortality as a good thing. It really makes you treasure what you have right now. I, you know, I still think I would treasure things if I could live for a lot longer time. You know, I, I think I would still find value in the things that I enjoy. 
But then again, like I'm, I'm a selfish person. So I would, enjoy, I would be like, Oh, I get to have more of these things, you know? So, <laughs> um, TV's never going away. I can watch the twilight zone over and over again. No. Um, so, but like basically his undoing, uh, and to get to like, I guess the, the crux of it is that it isn't because he's like lonely or sees nothing in being immortal. It's just that he's now not thrilled by anything, which I thought was a weird direction to go with this. It was like nothing, nothing excites him now. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I mean. He's unable to enjoy his life now. It's just because he's so bored. There's nothing that thrills him. There's nothing that he can do that that's going to scare him anymore. For the most part, yeah. But that um, was like a day and a half. You yeah, know? that's like, true. That happened real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, all right. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess I mean, there's only so many things you can throw yourself in front of or set a building on fire or whatever. Though, um, given his personality. Um, I think it was inevitable that he would get bored that quickly. Yeah, I mean that's, that's fair. I mean, you look at how he was living his mortal life, and he was just laying in bed complaining, you know. And yeah. then he gets a more. It, it's obvious that he wouldn't be satisfied even with mortality, immortality. Yeah, and I have um like so he like his wife, which for some reason she's not clued into the fact that something's different about him, like seeing with the wrecked clothes and him throwing himself at all his stuff. She thinks it's like <laughs> he's very fortunate. Like counter blessings, and it's like no, 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 no. There's something wrong with this guy, you know. Like that wouldn't tip you off, but he goes in and makes a makes a poison cocktail, which I wrote down uh, what all that was. It was iodine, rubbing alcohol, and ammonia. Um, they, ah, they I just, didn't hear the iodine. <laughs> he called it um, was it um, iodine? I think is what he called it. I'm like, is that is that what we're saying now? Sure. Ah. Um, and he mixed it all up and drank it and referred to it as weak lemonade. Yeah, I wrote that down too. That's funny. Because <laughs> he's like, like, he's even insulting poison. He's just like, that was like lemonade to me. Weak lemonade. Like, all right, well, I, I guess poison can't do its job. And so he decides that he's going to go jumping off a building and runs up to the top of the building. And um, so I have I have two things from that real quick. One is he's he's griping about um, the excitement that he doesn't have. And he's trying to tell her his problem. And it was this real quick. If you had any imagination at all, you'd find some way for me to get some excitement out of all this. That Out of context, that's terrible, but I thought that was a funny statement. Yeah. Um, and then they get to the rooftop, and she's trying to reason with him not to jump. And the audio here, like, the music gets a little weird at the end, but I, this, this, this exchange made me laugh really hard when I heard it. Oh, I hope this is what I think it is. <laughs> Walter, please come back to the apartment. I'll make you potato pancakes. Remember, you always used to love potato pancakes. Ethel, you are a potato pancake. You're as tasteless as a potato pancake. Now leave me alone. <laughs> Man, this guy. Yeah, it's like you're a potato pancake. You you are plain like a potato pancake. It's like that's a that's a big insult. Also, if you're trying to talk somebody off a roof, I don't know if the offering of potato pancakes is really what's going to do it. Um, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a funny like I don't know. I'll just offer him food, you know. Um, and then she, as she's trying to talk him off the roof, she falls to her death. A really, really cool shot of the apartment building lights all coming on after that. Like the look down uh, between the buildings. It was very much oh, like, yeah. like a vertigo type of shot. And that was cool. And and the thought yeah, occurs which, to him. Uh, yeah. Which the guy who played his doctor was actually in vertigo. Oh, okay. I should have known that. That's that's cool. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> right, I didn't go. write down the doctor's uh, name, but I, I looked him up just as I was watching it. Um, yeah. So a little connection there. And it's just as she falls, he just kind of looks and was like, well, that happened, you know, and <laughs> he lights a cigarette. And then there's like this, uh, you know, 
moment of like you hear these jazz like jazz drums kick in you know like very i don't know how to describe it like and he's just lights a cigarette he's like oh i wonder how that felt like he's almost jealous that he didn't get to jump but his wife just felt her at death yeah he doesn't care at all really weird yeah um and then he he casually calls the police and says hey i killed my wife i'll wait like it just (laughs) oh yeah because his whole his whole goal now is he wants to know what it's like to get in the electric chair yeah so this is the point where i feel like this episode gets really predictable and the twist is easy to call yeah like so my question for you okay so he is not helping his lawyer his lawyers at, at like you know it's out of sorts trying to get him any type of relief as being a defense attorney and he's not helping at all because he just wants to go to the electric chair my question for you is if the end game is the electric chair let's say he gets to go there and they try it on him it doesn't work does he just think they're just going to let him leave jail then? Because it's like, oh, you tried to kill me. I guess we're good now. Like, yeah, what? that's. I actually wrote that down. I said poorly planned out with the electric chair thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would just put him life in jail. Like, what? Yeah. Is, what does he think they're going to do with him? It's like, what is this? Like three strikes? It's like, I'm sorry, we tried electrocuting you three times. I guess you guess you're free to go. I guess you're you know? above jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, like, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, this is the worst end game I've ever heard of. Like, yeah. So then, uh, obviously if, if the electric chair didn't work, maybe they try to give him lethal injection or something, you know, or and, any other way. And he'd be like, this is like weaker lemonade. And he would just yell at them. <laughs> they're trying it. Um, yeah, and then obviously they would go to life in prison. So I, I don't know how he didn't think of that, but again, he wasn't the, he wasn't really thinking that, uh, <laughs> he made a deal with the devil willingly. That's, that's true. He, he was already like one foot out the door, uh, mental stability wise. Yeah. So, so his lawyer surprises him by getting him life in prison, thinking that was a good thing. And then he, then it occurs to him like life in prison, which I looked that up and it's like, it, it depends upon time. I'm not sure about then 1959, but different States have different definitions of what life in prison is. So like it, sometimes it's like 70 years and that's it. Like for us, that's more than enough. But for him, it's like, couldn't he have waited it out and maybe got parole or like I don't know, went the Andy Dufresne route and slowed the guy's way out of prison. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, you know, but it, for the for the point of the story, I guess I, I didn't really think of that because I was I was just going with it at that point. Um, yeah, so I love uh, <laughs> the prison guard that comes in. He's like, ah, think about it in the grand scheme of things. You'll only be here forty, forty five years. Um, you could do that standing on your head. Yeah, that's a weird like, statement. But I, I kind of like that uh, that uh, jail guard. He was probably my favorite character in the episode. <laughs> just kind of just like just talking, just talking shit to him. It, it was funny. Yeah. So then um, there's a, a really good shot of him sitting on his bunk and like the 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 whole thing sinking into him, where his face is uh, placed perfectly between the bars. It's a really good looking shot. And then um, Wallader shows or Cadwallader shows back up uh, faintly to say, Hey, you know, is it time for you to use your escape clause? And he's like, yeah. And then, uh, then there's this uh, bit here. Like, so if you ever wanted to know, um, what a heart attack sounds like, I have that sound for you. (laughs) Oh God. So he basically like says, okay, it's time to use your escape clause. And he says this odd thing. You look like a man having a heart attack. Just like a man having a heart attack. So a heart attack's a lot like an oboe, 
and a trombone. Those, those zany heart attacks. <laughs> yeah, right? And then my thought is, like, that's not the most peaceful way to go, right? Like, that's, I mean, I would assume a heart attack's probably, I mean, it may look peaceful on the outside, but there's probably a lot of bad going on in the middle of all that. So, I don't know. I thought that was funny. That was a really just, like, like lighthearted, no pun intended, uh, heart attack. That was so weird. Um, yeah. And then we get we get the uh, final line. The guard runs up to him and uh, he says, "Oh, poor devil." Yeah, that was that was a good line. That was a good line for the end. I, I like yeah. that. Um, so so basically, yeah, like the the long and the short of it is like you know, guy who had an affliction, a self imposed affliction, and was always worried about his life, was given everything he could possibly wanted. He squandered away, and then he asked for an early way out. Like that's you know, and I and I this has been used a lot in different storytelling. It's like the, be careful for what you wish for. And I know I was talking about it earlier with the 16 millimeter shrine that I kind of wish that she would have gotten a little bit of this, but, yeah. it's, but and that's why I was talking, bringing up the monkey's paw. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Um, it just felt weird that she got, she got what she wanted. And then we had a walking distance where the guy kind of got what he wanted, but it was also kind of sad. And then we have this one, like third in a row where the guy definitely gets what he wanted, but it worked out. Not at all. Yeah. So it was like a weird shade shades apart from each other. I I feel like this episode, and I'm going to take a cue from you and start uh, rewriting this episode. Um, <laughs> no, I, feel I like could the, do that. Oh, I could, only I could do that. No, go ahead. <laughs> I feel like the twist would have been stronger if there was something and the escape clause wouldn't work and he had to sit the rest of his uh, eternity in prison. Yeah. Because like, I feel like the heart attack, again, the heart attacks are not, it, not that I know from experience, but um, are probably not fun to go through. Uh, it still is an easy way out for him because he is definitely a great a jerk in this. No, you're right. I feel like I, I feel and he killed his wonderful wife, Ethel. Yeah. And all she wanted to do was make him potato pancakes, you know? Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I feel like um, a little bit more modern take on that would be, oh, you're going to be around for a long time, you know? And that would be the punishment is that now you have all of this, which I, that's it does it kind of feel like and we've talked about this before that as Serling is just like churning out these scripts that he's kind of hitting a lot of the same themes and ideas over and over again and like he's kind of just finding different variations on it so coming up soon we're going to have time enough at last which kind of also visits this a little bit too but it's a different shade of it as mm-hmm. well so maybe he just like he had like like a thought bubble and like branched out and did like you know what i could i could make this twisty in six ways you know and that's like that's six different scripts so yeah just, <laughs> that's what and, it kind of feels like and to come up with another twist that makes the escape clause like not valid probably wouldn't work in a 22 minute episode well, I mean, if like if the whole thing was as uh, Cadwallader, which I had, I originally tried getting the the um, the dialogue of him reading out the clause, and he started like just mumbling through it, and all that was funny because he just kind of rushed through it. And he's like, "Oh, it's just all Lego mumbo jumbo." It would have yeah. been great if it had been like you didn't read the fine print. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, that would have been the easy uh, way to do it for sure. Um, but I feel like that would have been more. It, it really would have stuck with me a little bit more. Yeah, I just because I feel like he got out easy again, not as easy as uh, 16 millimeter shrine. But, you know, no, no, you're right. Like he he had his fun. Like he's still dead. Yeah. <laughs> and um, if people can hear that, like that's another emergency vehicle behind me. Sure. I'm sure they're going off. Probably and another heart attack. Probably somewhere. another heart. Another one of these heart attacks right here. Odd thing. You look like a man having a heart attack. Just like a man having a heart attack. <laughs> 
I just, you know, I, <laughs> that's what's happening right now. Someone's having a nice, uh, nice, uh, fun sounding heart attack down the street for me. So, um, <laughs> anyway, um, before we get to the twist meter, just a brief, uh, bit of trivia here. I was saving to the end, um, at Disney's twilight zone, uh, uh, tower of terror, um, in the basement of the attraction, there's an elevator with certificate uh, for an inspection plaque signed by Cadwallader, bearing the inscription uh, 10259, which is the October 2nd, 1959, original air date of the first Twilight Zone. So oh, it's nice. kind of cool that they kind of reference him a little bit in that, too. Um, mm-hmm. for, the, for the Tower of Terror that may not be around much longer. I don't know if you heard that story or not. No, I didn't. Yeah, Disney doesn't own Twilight Zone. CBS does, so Disney's thinking about turning into like a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction of some sort. I don't know if it's still going to be an elevator that goes up and down, but um, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, Uh, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know if I have anything else to really say about (laughs) this episode. Um, We kind of covered the main themes involved. Yeah. Uh, do you do you have anything else in your notes? Uh, other than like I just like I said, this has been my favorite one so far, and the reason being is because it is very much more the farcical. Not like as in like I, I like serious episodes of the Twilight Zone. I love I love that it can be all these things, but this one started off ridiculous and it kept it up in a fun way. Like the moment that pin appeared in his hand and you heard the music and Cadwallader's hand and then like the the st- the steaming. Um, stamp that he brought out and that like it was just so much fun and that actor was so great like i loved him in this episode and just made me like love this because it just felt like this guy knew exactly what he wanted to do and like i want to see him in every episode and i know we're not going to but it was a lot of fun yeah no this is definitely a great episode um i i still feel like where is everybody and uh um walking distance i liked a little bit more um, but yeah, this one is definitely in a whole different vein. I mean, the, the atmosphere of this episode is a lot more zany. It's more lighthearted somehow. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so you mentioned the monkey's paw and I was going to ask you like, what's your favorite, like deal with the devil, like uh, uh movies or if there's other shows or whatever, like, I know I kind of put you on the spot with this and I, and I don't have the best answers either, but I'm just curious if there's anything else out there that you like the careful, what you wish for, uh, stories. Um, Another short story form, kind of like this. You ever see Body Bags? I know that's the John Carpenter movie. I've not seen that though. Yeah, there's a there's a great segment in that. I don't know. I know John Carpenter and Toby Hooper and somebody else worked on that. Okay, but um, there's a great segment where the one guy is going bald. He's kind of middle aged guy. Um, oh my god, I can't remember the guy who plays the character. You would know him if I uh, if I found his name. Is it Clint um, Howard? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh oh my god, what is his name? Stacy Keach. Oh okay. Um, he's going bald in it, and uh, he goes and uh, he's wishing he had better hair and everything, and he goes and calls this TV advertisement and goes and gets these hair plugs put in, and uh, it gives him like these long lux- luxurious locks and everything, and uh, they end up being like tiny snakes. Oh wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny, um, and I like a lot of the stuff uh, Tales from the Crypt did as well. Yeah, there was there was one they did with um, Schwarzenegger and uh, the old old guy who was the uncle in the Vacation movies, where he the older guy was um, a millionaire and wanted to live forever, and Schwarzenegger was poor but wanted to uh, impress this girl. So something happened where they kept switching body parts eventually to where 
like they he eventually had the old man's body and all the money but then the, the girl he liked was going with um the guy who who like Schwarzenegger you know so it was like this weird yeah. weird trade off and the, the the makeup effects were weird seeing the old guy with like a Schwarzenegger face midway through it was a weird weird episode but I like that whole like you know striving to get what you think you want and then you know it doesn't work out that way yeah um I'm sure there's stuff I'm totally forgetting about like every simpsons treehouse of terror like whenever yeah. uh, homer sells his soul for a donut and then keeps the donut and won't eat it all like it's just i don't know like there's this there's a lot of fun ones there too but it's um oh, yeah here's one uh one of my favorite movies death dream um it's directed by the christmas story director um the family their son dies in vietnam and they wish for him to come back he comes back but he's still dead and he's like this creepy vampire zombie. Okay, I've heard of that. I've not seen that. It's it's a really terrifying movie. It's one of the only uh, movies anymore that really gets me every time I watch it. Um, but I know that script was loosely based off the Monkey Paw. Um, yeah, Treehouse of Terror. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's tons of stuff that I'm forgetting. Like when you say the Treehouse of Terror, it makes me think of like with the. It's like oh, it's a monkey's paw. It's like but it's cursed. But it comes with the Frogurt. That's also cursed. Uh, anyway, um, so so yeah, I mean, this is one of those tropes. It's, I mean, I guess it is a trope now um, that is revisited often. But I feel like the Twilight Zone was kind of, even though you think about it, it, is more like the monkey's paw and then like the gift of the Magi. Um, those were, those were well before this. But uh, this yeah. is this is the Twilight Zone's wheelhouse. Like we're going to get a lot of these of like you know, just because you think it's one way doesn't mean it's going to be that way. And I like yeah. that. I'm I'm all, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, it's definitely fun. Um, should we get in twists? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. All right, what do you got? Um, I'm going to give it three out of five. Like I said, it was predictable, but it was still really fun to watch it play out. Yeah, that's that, that's good. I, I'm giving it a two. I got I don't know why I'm giving everything a two recently. Um, <laughs> the 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 life in prison bit I saw coming from a mile away. But yeah, his, I mean, as soon as he uh, calls the police, you see that one coming. Yeah, but it, the, his whole reason for ending up there, sheer boredom, I did not see coming. Like the whole thing of him just getting bored immediately with everything. It just that, like that. Like I didn't, I did not see that. This almost feels like it feels like an early version of like, um, oh, uh, Hellraiser, where this guy he he has no more experiences to be had, so he's gonna go find that cube, you know. And then it's just like this. Nothing will entertain him anymore. He finds no enjoyment. It feels yeah, like there's the, yeah, there's no fulfillment, you know. Yeah, um, that's a great connection. I'm kind of upset I didn't think of that one. <laughs> well, I mean, um, it, but that, this is exactly like Hellraiser. <laughs> kind of. I mean, like in the sense, like all those people go searching for that because supposedly there's nothing else for them, right? So yeah, that's, well, this what this felt like a little bit. Yeah, for different reasons than this, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. But uh, Cadwallader also said, I, I offer you all sorts of things. He's like all sorts of pleasures on this earth or whatever he says. It's like, oh, my goodness, that's very that's very pinhead ish. You know, oh my God. What but, if Pinhead showed up? In this? <laughs> <laughs> what if it was just be like, such an amazing episode? What if it was just like, uh, what was his name? Doug Bradley or is it Gus Bradley? Yeah. Yeah. Just, Douglas he, Bradley. he just shows up in an episode, but he's like he's wearing his World War One outfit. And you're like, wait a second. That's He's the, just wearing Cadwalder's face. <laughs> yes, that'd be amazing. <laughs> See, that's that's the episode we need there. Um, and then you know, because of course, like the guy wouldn't be given an easy, uh, you know, musical heart attack either. Like they, they would be a hard way to go for him. So, <laughs> um, all right, the uh, the musical heart attack would just be like a. Uh, <laughs> what's it called the little uh music box noise yes 
That'd be, oh my goodness. I, I think I like this. I like this a lot. So, um, all right. So that, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Kevin, if you let us know how they can contact us. Yeah. Find us on Facebook, uh, strange highways podcast. Uh, talk to us on there. We've had some good interactions starting up on there. Um, you can email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the episodes. Let us know what you think of the Twilight Zone episodes. And uh, let us know if there's anything we can uh, do differently. Yeah, and we're open to suggestions, too, like in terms of uh, of content, because I know we're going to roll through these these um, sequentially, but every so often we do want to take, uh, take a moment and go you know go off the beaten path, so to speak, and find something else out there, too. So if you guys have any good, fun recommendations that we can locate of, like, Night Gallery or um, like Tales from the Dark Side, I, I would be more than happy to go go off of those in, like, you know, in a little bit because I'm, I'm enjoying the Twilight yeah. Zone here for, for now. But Yeah, we'll take a break maybe mid-season and do something special. Yeah. Um, I know, again, we'll have some guests coming up on future episodes, so looking forward to that. Yeah, and so the next episode, this is the one that I thought we were doing this week because I couldn't count, um, is The Lonely. I'm really looking forward to this episode. Um, so I I, don't think I've ever seen this one. Oh, good. Cause I have, uh, I have, um, a personal story to go along with this. So it'll be a very special episode of strange highways. Uh, so, so yeah, this will be the, the one with, um, I don't want to give it away if you've not seen it. It's, it's not really a plot twist, but it's still, it's just a good one just to watch sight unseen. So, um, so yeah. Um, so till next time, uh, have a good week. Um, if you get offered a deal, make sure you read the fine print. And if the guy straight up admits he's the devil, maybe maybe it's not a deal that you take. <laughs> yep. So until next week, guys, thanks for listening. is obsessed with coming in here when I'm podcasting <laughs> and she like got past me ran under the table I tried to pick her up and she like bit into my arm wow <sighs> that's uh that's pretty entertaining just on this end hearing all the swearing <laughs> at the animals